Why I write about faith. I write about faith for two reasons. One of those reasons is to find and gather my people. Questioning the faith tradition of one's childhood is incredibly lonely. Loneliness is devastating and dangerous. I have learned that when I share my story in an honest and vulnerable way, people seek me out. And most often their response is, me too. This reminds me that, in fact, I am not alone in my questions, my pain, my desires, and concern. And it gives me the chance to pay that validation forward to more readers. Me too. You are not alone. Another reason I write about faith is that I have learned through years and years of experience, conversation, and research, that many, many of the faith tenets of my childhood perpetuate psychological harm and spiritual trauma that lay a foundation of unnecessary spiritual, relational, mental, emotional, and even physical suffering. Life is hard enough as it is without these ideas that add to our individual and collective suffering. I am compelled, and I believe it is God's heart, that these ideas be called out, held accountable, and unlearned. I know some experience my words as gratuitous criticism, dangerous and divisive. I can see how my words may appear to be driven by a desire to avenge my pain and trauma. I understand they carry the potential to pull people away from the faith, the beliefs, religion, church, and Christian God that informed that pain and trauma. I get that. And maybe that is why it feels important to once again state my intentions. My desire is to hold harmful ideas accountable so that harm will not be perpetuated by me or around me. Someone commented to me recently that it seems like many people are going through this same process right now. She asked me if I have noticed that. She pondered why that might be. I have noticed that, and I think it is for two reasons primarily. One, the internet. Thirty years ago, when my parents were doing some questioning of their own, their entire world consisted of the people they were seeing every week, all drinking from the same well, all knowing, at least unconsciously, that questioning the quality of the water gets you ejected from the village. Ejection is costly, too costly, understandably, for many. But now we have the internet. Now we can connect with other villagers from all over the world, from many walks of life, from a full spectrum of the human experience. Online, we have the opportunity to create new villages for ourselves in a way we never could before. The whole equation has changed. We can take little sips from other wells, healthier wells, and if you've been thirsty, getting a taste of that kind of hydration, that kind of refreshment, that kind of belonging, 
sometimes gives you just enough energy to begin your trek away from the water that has kept you sick and too weak to search for new water. And two, mental health awareness. Thanks to the last century or so of elaborate studies and extensive research within the relatively new field of psychology, we are finally beginning to understand and be able to explain how our miraculous brains, bodies, and nervous systems actually work and what they require to survive and thrive. And the more clarity we gain about our thriving, the more we understand what impedes that thriving. Unfortunately for many, many of us, that includes the faith tenets of our childhood. For many, many of us, those tenets were central to our suffering. I will leave you with something that Sarah Bessie said to me and a crowd of seekers almost one year ago today. One of the great lies that folks will tell you is that if you were more faithful, you would not have found yourself in the wilderness. But instead, I believe with my whole heart that you have found yourself here not because of your faithlessness, but because of your faithfulness. You are here because you dared to hope. You were the one who took it seriously didn't you? You dared to hope that the gospel was true. You dared to hope that Jesus was as good as you ever imagined. You dared to hope that Jesus meant what he said and that God was love. You dared to believe that the church could be a sanctuary for the wounded and the misfits and the marginalized. You dared to hope that we are all made in the image of God. You dared to hope that prayer changed things. You dared to hope that you would be loved and could love in return. You dared to hope that Jesus' teachings and way of life would matter more than politics or power, that truth and goodness mattered. You dared to hope for friendship and justice and belonging and love. And so here we are, fools on the road, together, bringing our heart sickness and our disappointment with us. We have heard of resurrection, but we aren't even sure what that means, or if we believe it yet. And yet, perhaps later, maybe when we look back on this exact moment, we'll ask ourselves, we'll whisper to each other and say, Weren't our hearts strangely warmed when we were on the road? And then, right on this road, in the middle of our despair, in the dust of our disappointment, perhaps, perhaps, we were walking with Jesus in ways we can't even recognize yet. Now may God and his disappointed disciples meet with you on this journey. May you acknowledge and bless your heart sickness, your confusion and your grief and anger in the presence of God. May you keep moving towards the table. May you tend that little spark of hope hiding in your heart. It is strangely warming within you, 
and may you treat it with honor and with love. May you be one who cultivates hope in the wilderness and experiences both companionship and unexpected resurrection. Amen. Amen.